Now here at Spring Valley, we started 2018 with a series of messages entitled Starting Over. And today we're going to talk about starting over with a commitment to discipleship and prepare us to hear the, the strong words that Jesus used to call people into discipleship. I want to share with you some words and for you to think about the seriousness of these words. Dedication. Devotion. Commitment. Surrender. Sacrifice. I think those are words that are not taken lightly, but they indicate the seriousness of a decision uh, that will be made or has been made. And, and I think they identify a response that goes beyond a superficial response. I think they're words that challenge us to a serious response also uh, as followers of Jesus Christ to be disciples. I think um, Jesus had it in mind that we would take it very seriously when he gave what we call the Great Commission, Great Commandment, Great Commission in Matthew 28 when he talked about to his disciples that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything that I have taught you. See, the mission and mandate of the church from Jesus is that we're to make disciples. But I think that we've done a poor job of that. I think that we've given it more as an option rather than as a mandate to develop people as disciples. You can be a follower of Christ, you can be a Christian, but you don't have to be a disciple. And I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind at all. Because making disciples was his ministry, that was his call, that was his mandate. And we hear and our scripture for today from Luke's gospel, how strongly he gave the commandment about a call about discipleship and what it would cost to follow him. And he called them in the midst of a growing number of people who were following him. The setting for our scripture in Luke 14 is that Jesus is moving closer and closer to the cross. And more and more people are following him. Crowds are following after him. And it's because of the teaching that he's done, but it's also because of the miracles. And they want to see more miracles. They want to see something that will wow them. And Jesus isn't looking for a crowd. He's looking for those who will be committed. He's not looking for, for decisions. He's looking for disciples. And so he very clearly, plainly lays out the commandment about what is required to be a disciple and follow after him truly as a disciple. We find that in Luke 14 beginning in verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
probably obvious to notice as we read through the New Testament, we'll see that people came to Jesus and wanted to commit to him on, on various levels. There would be those who would be in the crowd. There would be those who would be drawn a little bit closer. There would be those who maybe would become part of the church and be a part of the congregation. Then there would be those who would be maybe part of the core group of people. But what Jesus is calling for is, is not just a crowd. He's not calling just for decisions, but he's calling for disciples, people who will be totally committed to him. And there's a phrase that rings out very pungently here in three verses, 26, 27, and 33. That's a sharpness you cannot miss in Jesus. what Jesus is saying. Three times he says, he cannot be my disciple. That is, if you do not agree to the terms that he puts forth. See, though we rarely refer to Christians today as disciples, it's usually a follower after Christ or a Christ follower or a Christian. In the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts, believers and followers of Christ are called disciples 264 times. Jesus makes it clear that he's calling us to be disciples. He wants us to be disciples. And he also makes it very, very, very clear. There's no fine print in what Jesus puts forth. He hides no details about the demands and very rigorous demands about being a disciple and following after him. He lets everybody know up front exactly what the demands of discipleship are. So if we think about today, maybe starting over in our spiritual life and wanting to make a commitment to discipleship, Let's hear exactly what Jesus has to say. I think he breaks it down into three descriptions for us, three mandates about what he calls for, what's what's mandated if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. He says there will be no rival, there will be no retreat, and there will be no refusal. What do we mean by no rival? Verse 26, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, And does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Those harsh words of Jesus, maybe you think so. But Jesus is making it abundantly clear that he is to be our our only love, devotion, and affection. And that's to be above anything else and anyone else. He's saying that there is to be no other rival to his place in our life. If you're going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, there is no rival to his lordship and the love that you give to him in your life. Jesus also said in uh, Luke 12, John 12, 25, whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. See, Jesus makes it clear that not only are we to love him above family, friends, and anybody else, but we're also to love him above loving ourselves first. There to be no rival, no rival to the love that we have for Jesus Christ. He is to be number one in our life totally and completely. Secondly, there's to be no retreat. There's to be no retreat. He knew that there would be attacks upon those who would follow after him. And he was calling them to be faithful, committed, and and making no room for retreating in their decision in their life. We look at what's taking place around the world today. I think that we see some antagonism towards Christianity in our country today. I think that it is under attack in certain ways, especially in some media. 
But we don't have the persecution that there is in other places, in other countries. It might come to that point. It might come to that point. And so we have to be prepared for the fact that while there's no rival in our life to the love of Jesus Christ and his place in our life, there can neither be no retreat in our life from the commitment we make to be a disciple. In verse 27, Jesus said, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Those who would hear Jesus utter these words knew in that day what it meant for someone to carry a cross. It meant that they were on their way to death. Jesus was talking about being willing to lay down one's life for the cause of the kingdom. You might remember that December 29th, a Coptic Christian church in Cairo, Egypt, was attacked and multiple Coptic believers were killed. Just this weekend, and this news came, and that's why I've got it printed in this form, uh, of another Coptic Christian martyred because of his faith. The story is about Basim Atala who was on his way home with his brother when they were confronted with a a terrorist Muslim group and demanded to see their wrists because Coptic Christians have a dark, have a black cross tattooed right on their right wrist that identifies them as a Coptic Christian. And they were asked that question, are you a Christian? And Basam said, yes, I am Christian. And then before they could say anything else, he said it again. Yes, I am Christian. And because he would not retreat, Basam was taken and he was martyred for his faith. He leaves behind a wife and five children. This is how he was described by one of his good friends. He said, Basim was a very good man, honest, quiet, modest, a lighthearted person and close friend to me. From early childhood, he loved the church, and he was a man of prayer and worship. He didn't renounce the faith and didn't deny his Lord, Jesus Christ. He didn't fear death. Actually, he didn't die, but has won the real life in heaven, being with Jesus. Basam had no retreat in his life. If it came to a point in your life that it would mean for you that your life would be taken, if you admitted to being a follower of Jesus Christ, would you retreat? Would you deny the Lord Jesus Christ? Or would you remain faithful to him? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There can be no retreat. There also can be no refusal. There can be no refusal. Jesus said in verse 33, In the same way anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. What is it that Jesus wants from us? He wants everything. He wants us. He wants a job. He wants our education. He wants our money. He wants everything. 
And he wants it to, to use it for his glory. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have to acknowledge that there's no refusal. There's nothing that we would refuse Jesus. Because he makes it clear that if we're going to be a disciple, we cannot refuse him anything. Who does not give up anything he has cannot be my disciple. Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. Paul said, but whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. There can be no refusal. So if there's no rival, if there's no retreat and no refusal, how do we make that decision to be a true disciple and follower of Jesus Christ? What's involved then? in making that decision to follow after him as a true disciple. I think it requires that we answer three questions. Number one, what priority will I place on following Jesus? Jesus said in verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Those have been troubling words for people ever since Jesus uttered those words. What does it really mean? That we're supposed to hate our family? Didn't he teach us to love and that God is love and we love because God first loved us and especially we're supposed to love our family? Absolutely. So what is Jesus saying here? Remember you go back to the fact that there is no rival. Our love for him must be love before self and love before anyone else. So to better understand the word hate that he uses here in terms of our relationship with our family, maybe is to better understand it when we know that the word means to love less, to love less. We love our family, but we love them less than we love the Lord Jesus Christ. I think Jesus clarifies it some in Matthew 10, 37, when he says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So the question is, what priority will I place on following Jesus? Why does Jesus teach this? Well, even back in that day, most of the converts to Christianity were Jews. And when they converted from Judaism to be a follower of Jesus Christ, being a believer, they were disowned by their family. In fact, we've had um, Jews for Jesus speakers here in our church that talked about the fact that they were dead in their family. I remember one speaker in particular talked about after he came to know Christ, he went back to New York City for the, for the death of, a, of an uncle. He stayed in the same room with his brother for three days and three nights, and his brother never acknowledged his existence because he was dead in the eyes of his family. Muslims today around the world who come to know Christ are disowned by their family. Some are even martyred. So Jesus makes it very, very clear that we have to answer some tough questions. What will be the priority I place on following Jesus? And it has to come first and foremost that we love him above anybody else, more than anybody else, even self. What priority will you place on following Jesus? Second question is, what price will I pay for following Jesus? What price am I willing to pay? What price are you willing to pay to follow Jesus? We've already heard about one martyr here this morning. 
Jesus said in verse 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We know that salvation is free because of what Jesus did, but it cost him his life. He went to the cross, dying in our place, giving his life for ours. Salvation is free, but grace is costly because it costs God his son on the cross. Christ will not compromise nor negotiate his demands. He says you have to take up the cross. We've already said that the cross was a symbol of death. And taking up the cross means that you are willing to die to self and you're willing to lay down your life if necessary to be a disciple of Jesus. You might be familiar with the passion play that takes place in Obagamara uh, over in Europe every 10 years. I read recently of an American businessman who had the privilege of being there, witnessing the play. Afterwards, he got to go backstage and spend some time with Anton Lang, who portrayed Christ. He saw the cross that Anton Lang had, had carried as Jesus in that passion play. And he wanted to have his picture made with it. And he tried to pick it up so his wife could take a picture with him. He couldn't even get it off the floor. And he asked Anton Lang, why is this cross so heavy? I thought it would be hollow and easy for you to carry. And Anton Lang's reply was this. If I did not feel the weight of the cross, I could not play the part. I suggest if we cannot feel the weight of the cross, we cannot be a disciple. Here's a third question we have to ask. What passion will I display for following Jesus? Jesus said, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. I think that pretty much sums up exactly what Jesus expects. He expects us to be willing to follow him at all costs and at a passion. What kind of passion do you have? I love to see younger generations worship. They seem to have so much passion as they worship. I love to see that. We need to see passion displayed in our obedience and our love for Jesus Christ and our following after him. You see, it's our passion that leads to obedience under the leadership of Jesus Christ. History records the great conquering exploits of Alexander the Great And I think he was even in his 30s when he had conquered all the the known kingdoms around him. And historians tell us that he sat down and wept because there was nothing else left to conquer. There's also one of the incidents that's recorded in his life that he came to a certain town. It was well fortified and had a strong defense system. But Alexander the Great went to the gate of the city and he called for the king of the city to come out. And when the king came out to meet him, Alexander the Great gave to him the terms of surrender. And the king laughed in his face and he said, look at this great walled city. It's fortified to where I can defend you for a long time. We've got plenty of resources. Look at the manpower of an army that I have. Why should I come out and, and surrender to you? And Alexander the Great said, watch this. And he called his men to march over to a cliff that was near the city. And at the edge of, finally, at, at the edge of that cliff, there was a drop-off of several hundred feet, and, and to fall off of that meant instant death. He sent his soldiers up to that cliff, to that preface, and he gave the motion to them, the command that they were to march. And one by one, men began to march forward and march off of that cliff to their death 
while the town people watched in horror. And after five or six of them had marched off of that cliff and gone to their death, Alexander the Great put a stop and he brought his army back to him. And that city of citizens who at one moment had laughed at Alexander the Great because of his terms of surrender came out and willingly surrendered because they knew that no matter how well fortified their city were, no matter how many resources they had, no matter what kind of army they had, there would be no match for that passionate obedience that the soldiers of Alexander the Great had. Now let me make it clear. Jesus will never command you to give up your life needlessly. He will not command you to give up your life foolishly. But it is that kind of passionate obedience that has been the driving force behind the growth of the kingdom of God ever since Jesus gave the commandment to make disciples of all nations. It takes that kind of passionate obedience to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you, what passion will you have in following Jesus? Will there be no rival in your life? Will there be no refusal in your life? Will there be no retreat in your life? Will you passionately take up your cross, meaning that you will die to self and live in obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be willing to lay down your life if it calls for that? You see, the cost of discipleship is great. And Jesus makes that clear. And he has a right to make that cost on discipleship Because he paid the ultimate price. See, there was no rival in his life but his love for God. There was no retreat in his life except that he willingly went to the cross. There was was no refusal in his life because he willingly laid down his life for us. And in that same spirit, he calls us today to look at our lives, examine our lives, and to start over in a commitment to discipleship. Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our salvation, that you were willing to send your son Jesus Christ to the cross, that in passion and obedience he went dying in our place for our sins so that we could be forgiven and live with you for all eternity. As we hear the words of Jesus today challenging us to be disciples, may we be willing to love Jesus above anything else and your kingdom above anything else. May we be willing to lay down our life for you as we take up the cross. May we be willing to follow you in passionate obedience as we seek to be your disciples in this world today. Father, we pray that we have the faith, determination to do that as we commit our lives to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.